Little white pills and sweet red wine And we know they're your weapon of choice A couple vices and a vagabond Now you know for just one voice I'm begging please can you help me sir The last thing you supposedly said You're better off knowing what you are Before you know it you wind up dead Welcome everyone to the Culinary Now podcast. I'm Matt Britt, and today on the pod, we are joined by Noel Ferretia. Noel is the chef owner of Meals for Victory Performance, a private chef organization down in Miami, Florida. Noel, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. How are you doing, Matt? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here right now. So, Noel, I really want to just dive in and talk a little bit about you and your world because it eludes me. Um, as someone who worked in restaurants, like brick and mortar restaurants for my entire life before I started teaching, we get a lot of students that kind of have this dream or vision or idea that they want to be a private chef or a personal chef. And I don't know how to advise them because I have no idea what it is. So my question to you is, number one, what led you to want to be a private chef? And then we can kind of unpack that and talk about what that looks like sort of within the trenches. So what led you to this career? So, yeah, so it's funny. Like most students, I was back in culinary school um, in 2013 and trying to figure out, like, you know, what I wanted to do. And I overheard a professor talking to one of the students, you know, kind of giving her options about what she should do for career-wise. And I think the, the biggest thing that he mentioned was, like, you know, being a personal private chef, you have pretty good hours, you know, compared to restaurants. So you don't have to deal with like working late all day in the kitchen, working all morning. Um, And what drew me into that was like, okay, well, well, sweet. Yeah, solid hours being a private chef, personal chef, you know, make your own own schedule, pick your own hours. So that kind of would draw me into it. And obviously the mindset was, oh, who would need these type of like, these type of like services? Athletes. Oh, I would love to be, me being an athlete myself, I would love to be in their world and like trying to learn how to cook, we'll try to give them, like teach them, not teach them, but be in their world and giving them, providing them food so they can perform on the field, on the court, or whatever they do in their in their sports, you know, whatever they do in their in their field or line of work. So that's really interesting. And I, and I do want to go back eventually to the hours because I think that that is a selling point for our students is this idea, and you see this more in just in the industry in general, is people want quality of life. Yeah. No one wants to work 18, 20 hours a day, you know, in a line with someone yelling at them. I mean, so that's a really good point. I want to come back to that. But I did, you did mention sort of the desire to cook for people that might need this service, right? So when I envision what a private chef does, I, I think of a person like yourself, you go to the farmer's market every day, you cook in someone else's kitchen, you serve these meals that amaze them and provide an experience that they are unable to um, create on their own. How accurate is that description of what you do? Or is it just completely different? Um, I would say it's pretty accurate. I would say that I don't go to the, the farmer's market every morning. I'm not, pick, I'm not driving down my local street and like, oh, the farmer's market. Let me go see what they have today. You know, it's, it's not like that because I guess it depends on your area. I live in Miami. There's farm market, but it's usually on the weekends. So usually my, my, my go-to place is Whole Foods. You know, so Whole Foods usually, it's reputable. Um, clients, clients like seeing a big Whole Foods bag. It's not, it's not somewhere like Walmart. Target, where it's like 
they know they're getting quality ingredients from Whole Foods. So, but I also do go to other places like Publix and stuff. But it's basically what you said is really accurate. You go in, you shop in the morning, you go to the house, you prep the items, you make the, you cook the food, you serve the food. And then, you know, obviously the clients are, you tell them clients what they're having or they won't be surprised by it. So, you know, it can be really good, you know, when you see them eating it and they're, they're going in town on your food or, you know, they just, you know, they're kind of picking at it, they're eating it, but it's not like they're really, they're enjoying it, but it's like, ah, you know, next time chef, let's do something a little different. But basically what you were saying before, that's how it is, you know. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, as a private chef, like all chefs, we cook for people. Yeah. But you mentioned something that they might provide direct feedback. We're like, hey, chef, next time I want to do this differently. That's not something that we directly experience in restaurants. You know, very, very rarely do we have customers coming up to the kitchen being like, you know what, do this differently. Like you are really catering to individual preferences. And this could be my own naivete, but like when I think about the clients that you go towards, like you're catering towards celebrities, sports athletes, people that have high level of resources, they can basically afford whatever they want. How picky are they in what you prepare for them or do they give you free reign? Every client is different. So some clients are picky, but they may give me free reign as far as if you hit these parameters, you're good to go. I don't care what you serve me as long as you hit these parameters. But other clients who say, you know what, don't serve me any of like any of this stuff. I don't want to see red meat. I don't want to see pork. I don't want to see this. Uh, I'm good with chicken and rice and broccoli every day or like, you know, on the menu, you know, um, it's really, my job is really to kind of adapt to that client's palate. Ask the thing that it's not about me and what I want to serve to them is basically what I know they want to eat and, and what I, basically what I know that what they would like to eat and kind of present options of here, here's, you know, here's a chicken, here's your chicken breast, your broccoli, your rice. You know, but sometimes you got sometimes you mix it up for them and give them other stuff. But you gotta make sure you have your your safety meal for them. You know, if you're gonna go crazy with the, with some new item, have a safety meal for them just in case they, they may not like it. You know, because some clients are very open to eating um, different things, other clients not so much, and you cannot force them to eat that. You know, at a restaurant, you can basically say, "Here, here's the item. Here's how, here's how we make it." Blase, blase. You know, take it for what it is. Take to here, take it or leave it. You know, it, we work with someone's home. You can't really do that. You know, <laughs> you really, you really have to adapt to them. And if they say they don't like it, and they don't want the steak medium rare, you better like. And they want it well done. You got to cook it well done. There's it, it, no if ands or buts about it. You still did a restaurant too, but like you could kind of like advise them. But when client makes up their mind, they make up their mind. How important? Because with free reign, I mean, it sounds like you're you're given a little bit of freedom within certain parameters. Like your clients, again, I'm going back to the sports athlete mentality. They probably have a pretty specific idea of what they want. And that might not be from a flavor profile. Or it's probably more based in nutrition, right? Because they're really focused on a certain caloric intake or there's uh, on certain macronutrients, micronutrients that they're supposed to be absorbing. How important is understanding nutrition when you apply it to cooking meals for your clients? I say it's very important. It's understanding, okay, how much protein they need, how much carbs they need, how much um, um, fats they need in their diet. So obviously it goes back to your protein, your actual whole protein, your starches and your vegetables, 
and you know how you gonna fit in the fat into their diets, like um, like you know, and also during the day, do they need smoothies? Do they need snacks? But you kind of you soon realize with every athlete is different because everybody's body is different. A football player eats differently than a basketball player, and sometimes sometimes most of these guys they're they're not really, and when they're younger, they're not into the nutrition stuff like that. They do they do care about the nutrition, but they want what they want. So if the guy wants fried chicken, he's gonna get fried chicken. You know, <laughs> I can't stop him from doing that, or I can't tell him. I, I can advise him, but if their their heart if their heart's setting on if their heart's set on fried chicken, it's kind of time to make it for them. You know. No, I, I think that's super interesting because a, a while back we interviewed um, one of the uh, the team chef for the Boston Bruins, and when you talk about different athletes and different sports having different needs, you know, a hockey player versus a football player. I mean, that all like lines up. So it's, it's great to have that sort of continuity there, but he worked for the team. And so the team has very different probably goals, right? The team must serve things that are meet these nutritional values. It sounds like you get customers or clients that are both curious about nutrition, but you know, might want fried chicken and you have to cater to both. So it's important that in this world of this realm of the career of food service, like private chef, you have to be able to do the healthy stuff but also the grind time stuff because you don't know what your your customer is going to want. So fun fact about myself, I used to work for the Philadelphia Eagles for two years. So I I basically understand what the Boston chef, like the Bruins chef was talking about. Even with those guys, like we're, we were heavy on protein for the for the players, you know, protein everywhere for them as much as we can. And that's where our, my dietitian, like my, my mentor, he would tell me, you know, try to put some protein in for the guys, you know, that's really a big thing. But we seem to find now with most of these guys, grilled chicken breast is cool and everything, but they do want the fried chicken. So they do. It's really catering to your your audience, your fam, your um, your audience, your group, your clients. It's really the same thing because I can serve healthy stuff all like all day long, but if the players aren't eating it and they're going to somewhere else to get the food or defeating the purpose of it. So you rather so you soon realize okay, we have to need variety. So you need the healthy stuff. The chicken, the brown rice, your broccoli, your vegetables, everything. But you need like kind of like, you know that the unhealthy stuff too. So you need a fried chicken. You need a macaroni and cheese. You need like the sweet potatoes, mashed sweet potatoes, candy yams, all that. And you and you soon realize that nutrition is different from person to person. You know, like if I if my body requires high calorie foods, you he can he, the person's allowed to eat. Like, you know, he, he's okay to eat fried chicken. You know, but as long as he's, like, you know, not overdoing it, you know, or as long as it's the appropriate time to eat the fried chicken, you know, after practice or um, or in moderation when he's eating, it's in moderation it's every day. So you soon realize you kind of adapt to that client or that that, that, that person's needs, you know, of when they, when the time, when to feed them the certain items, like the unhealthy stuff versus the good stuff. But at the end of the day, we're, we're here to work for the clients and we're here to work for the players or whatever field you are, you're here for the people. I imagine, like, for me, it seems really difficult to enter this field and to actually kind of get off the ground, like having a strong foundation of both nutrition, but also just good cooking in general seems prerequisite. And it seems like something that you're bringing to the table for Meals for Victory. But how do you find, like, these high-profile clients? Do they find you? Do you have to, like, are you knocking on the door of, like, the arena? Like, how, how do you find your clients or how do they find you? Man, that's a tough question because it's usually by word of mouth, and it's, it's a lot of a lot of factors that come into this. Um, I have a website for one of them, so I have a website for one, 
And one of my clients found me through a website, high profile athlete, basketball player. Their management team found me through that website. And basically we kind of reached out, we basically connected from there. You have LinkedIn has helped me out a lot in the beginning phases of meeting people to put me in position to meet these athletes or connect with these athletes. Um, that's how I got my Eagles job through LinkedIn. Um, and word of mouth, word of mouth is really big and social media. You have one, you look for one athlete and they post you to the story or their Instagram. And all of a sudden, everybody's hitting you up for services and stuff. So it's really different from person to different person to person. And also, like, you know, sometimes clients are good referrals. They'll um, help out, like, they will, like, they'll, you know, if they'll, tell, they'll mention to their friends, hey, I got this bomb chef. He's really good. You know, you shot him out if you, ever need, if you ever need someone to cook for, like, to cook for you guys. And sometimes they, sometimes they reach out to you. The clients themselves reach out to you as well. So it's really a whole array of, like, people finding you. And also you, and also you, you're, you're your own promotion as well. You're your own marketing. So as much work you putting in into social media and getting the and getting those feet, getting those um views and feeds to your videos, your followers, your stories, your viewers, everything. So it's up to you as well to the person who wants to be in a position to like get these clients. That's super interesting. So it sounds like students maybe looking to get into this field really have to double down on that virtual sort of like internet presence, you know, strong LinkedIn presence, making sure that their website is professional. And then once you get in the door to deliver what the client needs, and then, you know, just the locker room, right? People will talk, as you mentioned, yeah. like a player might go out to another one. Oh, I'm looking for a chef. Well, I got this really great chef. You know, he's, he's perfect. He gives me everything I need. And that's how it sort of like takes off. Personal question. Yeah. Do you ever find that like when you, when you cook for an athlete, I'm assuming you follow that athlete in some regard, you know, whether you're a fan of the team or not, do you ever find their performance like personally reflective of, of your work? Like, like you said, they have a good game. Are you like, you know what? Yeah, that was me. I got, I got, I got, their, I got their meal right. Or, or is that completely outrageous? Personally, I believe that the athlete, you know, the players played, coaches coach and the chefs cook. So I may cook a bomb meal. My, my client may not done it so may have not done great on the court, <laughs> so I just think that like I think it can't avail can't can't be evaluated off of one game. I think it has to be a stretch of games to know that okay he's getting the right stuff. You know he like if he if he, if he let's say like NBA player if he's getting like twenty points consistently in a month span and I'm cooking for him every the whole month, I know that we have a good month. But I can't just go off one game. You know it's just it's. I don't take I don't take the credit for their work, you know. <laughs> Even though you might want to, no, I, I, yeah. I totally, and I think that that's important. How you weighed that out is you're just one part of this sort of athletic performance. So you know that the coach is important, the training facility is important, but as we as we know now more than ever, food is like it's critical, right? Right, and what you put in your body is fuel, and, and it can make you better or worse. I mean, but there are other factors. So I, I think it's important that you're. You're not celebrating too much, but like, you know, take a victory lap from time to time. You, you mentioned if you're cooking for the athlete, a basketball player, 20 days in a row. I imagine that's kind of difficult because they're not always in one place for 20 days. Do you ever travel? Because I, I want to get into like what, what a typical day or week looks like for oh, you. Man. Are you stationary in Miami or do you get the opportunity to travel with particular athletes? So currently I'm stationary in Miami. But from time to time, um, I do travel with athletes. Uh, I think this past year, one of my main clients, one of my clients, um, he reached out to me to travel with him 
well, in the beginning part, and earlier, earlier this year, I traveled. I you was in the playoffs for the um for the Miami Heat, and I traveled with them to the um to the Philadelphia series. I was in Philadelphia for that series, cooking at cooking at his like you know Airbnb for him and his people, his group, and I traveled to the Boston series, the Boston series too. Same thing, cooking for him and his people, and like you know, Airbnb for him for his group. So. I had an opportunity for those for those two. I had those two opportunities, and it was kind of tough, obviously, because you got you're kind of resetting, setting up station, you're setting up your kitchen to how you want it, um, the fridge and everything. You got to order a bunch of stuff for the house and whatnot. But um, once you kind of get things going, once you kind of get things like you know, like like started, everything kind of, everything kind of like, you know smooth. Everything kind of like you know plays out pretty good. It's smooth. It's, it, it gets easier. It's so interesting that like you know you know so much about a person or an individual, but then when you have to go to a different environment, it brings in all these other factors. Again, like you talked about like ordering food for an Airbnb, which might sound simple, but I'm assuming there's, there's some challenges with making sure that, you know, you get it right. Um, and if, for those keeping track at home, I know Noel is probably not going to say who he cooks for, but we know he plays for the Miami heat and he was in the playoffs last year. So like, we're, we're it's like 20 questions. We'll get there, <laughs> but we're not going to ask specifically because there's definitely some confidentiality. There. Um, so it, it sounds like, and again, like you're very, just in your tone, you can see that you like slash love what you do. I mean, it's definitely a challenge for you. How do you stay motivated? Because, you know, I, I guess like you're in an environment where you have to cook to a certain person's needs. Yeah. How do you continue to innovate within your own sort of technical skill to stay on top of your game, which, you know, ultimately is important to your, your long-term sustainability as a, as a private chef? Right now, I, for me, I, I have to look to my peers. If my peers all they're all doing something really good and it's like like something like I want to do or I see a bomb that they make, I would want to kind of get in on that, you know, and keep myself like motivated. It's tough to keep yourself motivated because it's it's like once you get you get complacent pretty easily, but it just depends on your circle of people who who you have around you. And you may see like for me, like if I'm on social media, I see my friend post a, a really nice dish or a really nice dinner. That kind of motivated me to say, okay, let me set my game up, you know, or, oh, that's a cool, that's so interesting. Let me try to um, make, see what they made and enhance that with my own flair and flavor and present to my client. So it's really, I think more so I realize it's really who you have around you to kind of keep you motivated and keep you accountable going forward and along to keep the, to make sure you're still the best version of yourself for your clients and other people. You you mentioned earlier that, players might talk to each other and that could yield you a new client, you know, you know, word of mouth can spread Do private chefs talk to each other. Like, is there a network you mentioned earlier, like being inspired by your peers? Like, is there like a secret network of private chefs that you guys just bounce ideas or ladies just bounce ideas off of each other? I mean, how does that work? The, depending on who your friend is, a lot of, a lot of my like, peers are friends. So, and we're kind of all in the same industry. So if we're out, we just we just talk, you know, about the business, we talk about our like, you know, talk about our experiences. Um, and I think it is a small net. I think it's a small network of us. It depends on how big your your, your circle of friends are. You know, if, if you have a small circle of friends, you have like a small. It's a small network. If you have big circle of friends in the industry, then you have a bigger network, obviously. But for me, um, I have a group of friends I go to to talk to, and I help out for events and stuff. So when I catch up with them on events, or we going out, we just talk about the business, like how things going. How do you charge your clients? How's it go? Like, like any any client looking for services, I'm available, and we just pass on references to each other. So if I can't do a dinner party for one day, I may give it to somebody else who may would want who may who's free that day and could use a business. 
you know, and in turn, hopefully they'll turn the favor back to me. But we're all just we're all trying to make it. We're, it's, we understand that we're not we're all not competition with each other. It's a lot. It's a lot of um, clients for everybody. Every it's a lot of money out here, <laughs> like you know, but a lot of clients out here for everybody. So we try to like you know do our best to like keep everybody informed and keep everybody in the loop. I want to go back a little bit to the the sort of the hours because you mentioned way at the beginning of the episode how you got into this because of this idea of better quality of life. And I know that as I mentioned, we all pursue more time outside of our jobs, you know, as chefs, we're workaholics by nature. Yeah. How does, you know, what is your like schedule? I mean, are you, cause are you getting like calls at three in the morning, like from athletes being like, <laughs> you know what? No, I, you know, listen, come, come make me some ice cream sandwiches, buddy. <laughs> so no, my schedule is pretty flexible at the moment. It just depends on what you're doing, like what you do when your queer clients are and what you're doing. Um, so right now my clients are they're 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 in the two of my clients are at MBA right now. So their their schedule's pretty busy. They travel in and out. But I think they're I know they'll be back next week, so I'm probably gonna be busy again for myself. Um, but let's say for my MBA client that I was traveling to the playoffs with. So my my basically what he required during the let's say a game day. This is a game day, they're playing uh Philadelphia 76ers. Right. A day, a game day will require breakfast, lunch snack and like pre-game a pre-game meal and dinner and possibly possibly a snack like a dessert or something so i know that i'll be up around let's say he has to leave to the facility around like you know 11 12 ish so i'll be up around like 7 get to the house by like 7 30 start have breakfast ready by 9 after that break down breakfast after the after dinner eating kind of get ready for get ready for lunch have lunch served by like 12 and have his pregame snack served by twelve two, so he can take it with him on the to the to the, to the facility. He's gonna leave around one o'clock. One o'clock, he does his thing. I won't see him again till like till probably like eleven. So I have a big gap in my day because of um because he's gone, and I just have I've lunch already set out. Most of the time, the guys are still at the house, or um they're probably you know they're still just snacking, but they're not really eating like that. Um, I be- I basically I gap my day. I basically go and um, prep dinner and dessert for the night, and you know whatever I need to do, to take care of like errands and stuff that I may have to get take. I may have to, may have to do. I may do that during the gap period, but you know I have dinner ready by like ten o- like ten o'clock. I know in the fourth quarter by that time period, um, and I know to be back by the house by eleven o'clock. So by the time I, by the time to get back to the house by eleven, dinner's already on the table, served, ready, dessert's already served, already ready to go. And um, I may not be out of the house by like 12, 1 o'clock from cleaning up and breaking down. So that's a long day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a long day, but it's it's almost intermittent. And where there's some some good short days, maybe while the team's away yeah. and, and you can kind of recharge your battery. But then when it's game time, you know, not, not, not to use a sports analogy, you know, it's time to time to go. Yeah. And, you know, you cook for some some pretty – Notorious people, basketball players, Miami. We'll, we'll get there. But who, who do you have a goal? Like, is there someone, whether it's in basketball or within another sport, is there like what's your white whale? Like, who do you really want to go at? Like, who would be a dream client for you to have? Is there someone? And this is where I'm, I'm hoping you'll name drop because you know, at the end of the day, you're not currently under contract with this person. <laughs> I have a dream client. I don't think I have a dream client, to be honest. I mean, I guess if I was younger, I'd probably say The Rock, maybe. But, like, I mean, I was a big wrestling fan growing up, so that's probably, like, 
at a time was probably like my dream client. But honestly, these days, every people celebrities are just people to me. They're just, 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 just like you and I. They're not like they're nothing special, but just, you know, they're obviously famous. So I don't think I have a dream client more so. It's a very it's a very safe answer, which will. <laughs> eventually keep your options and your doors wide open. Yeah, so, for sure. For you know, sure. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you slide on that. But no, <laughs> I, I, no, I appreciate, I appreciate the time and, and I, I hope that this, you know, kind of inspires young chefs to consider being a private chef, even though there's kind of intense competition yeah. and the schedule can be kind of all over the place. I think that what you painted is a really good picture of what this could be and what it is. And, 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 and you know, maybe, it, maybe it'll lead more people into cooking for, for professional athletes and other other celebrities and other people that just have the means to hire a private chef. So, Noel, thank you again for taking the time, and and uh, we'll let you go back to you know enjoying Miami because it's much nicer than Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt, no doubt. I may go to the beach today. Who knows? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before we go, before we go, I have to ask Noel where can prospective clients, people that just want to learn more about you and Meals for Victory, where can they check you out? Is there a website, social media? How can people find you? So on social media, you can find me on Instagram, Chef Arnold underscore the real MVP. On my website, you can go to www.mealsforvictory.com. And also my LinkedIn, if you put in Noel Ferretia, N-O-L-F-O-R-E-T-I-A, you can find me there as well. So you can just connect to me, reach out to me. Don't be shy. I'm very, I'm very opening to give my advice and, you know, Give me any ideas to young students or young chefs who want to get into the industry. Yeah, no, we push we push all of our students to create very professional LinkedIn profiles. So um, follow Noel on LinkedIn, check out his social media, get inspired, and um, and consider being a private chef because it sounds like a pretty badass gig. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely fun. Rewarding too. Thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. We also want to thank our friend Matt Burns for providing all the music for the Culinary Now podcast. If you liked today's episode, leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Your positive feedback helps us reach more listeners. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to receive updates on new episodes from all our projects. If you'd like to reach out to the team at Culinary Now, please shoot us an email at culinarynowpodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Culinary Now Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. And we out.